Thank you, Scott. Um, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I think the last time we were up was, because um, we're from um, western suburbs of Brisbane, last time we were, uh, we were up was back in end of November at the end of last year. So um, I'm here this morning um, with Jonathan. If you don't know Jonathan, um, my husband, and uh, we've got three children with us today. We've got one, uh, one of our sons is at home, but we've got Elijah and Karis um, here, and little Abby's gone out to jive this morning. So uh, thank you for making us so welcome at uh, Pine Rivers. Um, we always just feel that wonderful welcome um, as we come, and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you this morning. And um, I'd just love to pass on as well our, our blessings, our best wishes from the folks um, down in Vineyard Brisbane West. Um, it's just wonderful to, um, to be churches close together like this, isn't it? And um, I, I, we get blessed when we see what God's doing in your community, and, and I hope likewise you, you feel blessed if you hear stories of what's going on um, where we are. I think Dan shared um, a couple of weeks ago, I know he was disappointed, it was a lockdown week, one of those lockdown Sundays, but um, I know he got to share online, so it's just fantastic that we can partner together like this, so thank you so much. I'm just going to arrange myself, I've got a few things in my bag, hold on. I really wanted to share this, this morning with you. Some, God's put on my heart today to, sh to share a story of invitation this morning. Um, I just loved the worship today, that faithfulness of God and of him um, wanting to invite us into all that he has for us is a, is a story that uh, resonates in my life, I'm sure in many of yours. And so today is a story of invitation, of God inviting us into what he has um, for us from kind of today onwards, really, knowing that he's been faithful in the past and he's going to continue to be so um, in the future. And it's a story today that really captures the love and compassion of God. That story of what you've just heard about those backpacks. You know, God is a compassionate God. And that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit this morning. We're going to be looking at what happens when his kingdom comes and what it looks like when he comes in to break through to solve a problem, which is <laughs> a big problem, and a kind of problem that we are never going to be able to fix um, ourselves. But we're going to see that for God, when he sees an oversized problem like that, it's not an oversized problem to him, is it? It's actually an opportunity for God. It's an opportunity for him to reveal his heart, which is a heart that is full of abundance and joy. So the account of Jesus reading, uh, feeding sorry, the 5,000 is very familiar, isn't it, to all of us? Have I got that PowerPoint up there? Yeah, yeah, there it is. Now, you see this Bible down here? I think that's probably the not that very one, but a copy of that one back in the 70s. That's probably the Bible that I first encountered this story. <laughs> I've got that at home. Where we, we had a few things that we could um, emigrate with um, in back in 20. 2007, and uh, that, that little Bible of mine made it uh, <laughs> into the container. Um, so the feeding of the 5,000, very familiar story. Um, and today we're going to be reading, as you can see on the PowerPoint, from um, Mark, which is 
uh, many consider the earliest gospel um, that was written down. And I think this miracle is also um, the only miracle that makes its way into all four of the gospel accounts. So I think there's something really in here that, uh, that the Holy Spirit wants us to grasp. So although it's quite a familiar story, I just wonder if we could just pray. Because sometimes when you come across something really familiar, you can kind of think, oh, I've heard this before. But the Holy Spirit is wonderful, isn't he? He always finds um, something new to draw out from Scripture. And that's my prayer today for us. So how about we pray? Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come. To come and be our teacher this morning. Father God, come and draw close to us. Lord, let us feel your heart. Let us feel your heart of abundance and joy over us right now as we gather together this morning. Come and break in, God. Come and break into our minds and our hearts. Lord, we want to be aligned with you. We want to be aligned with you today. So come, Holy Spirit. Okay, so before we just get into that passage, I just want to briefly set the scene. So if you're familiar with the book of Mark, um, you'll know that um, he opens up his account, doesn't he, with Jesus just beginning to step out and declare, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of your sins and be baptized. And then he takes us, doesn't he, on that thrilling adventure, uh, quite fast-paced in the book of Mark, where we see Jesus demonstrating what it looks like when the kingdom comes. He demonstrates that nearness of the kingdom through power over sickness and disease, through power over demons, we're seeing people set free, power over nature itself in the calming of the storm and even death itself as people are brought back to life. So he demonstrates the kingdom as well as preaching it. And so as we come to the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus gathers the disciples to himself and he says to them, okay guys, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. And they might be thinking, wait, what? <laughs> wait, wait, let's back up. What do you mean? We have to do something now? What's going to happen? And he gives them his authority, doesn't he? He says, I give you my authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to teach to teach people to repent of their sins and to turn to God. And then all he does, he puts them in pairs and he sends them out. And that's where we're going to pick up our account today. Now, you're feeling a bit nervous by that. If you were there with Jesus, would you be the one who kind of like hides behind Thomas and kind of thinks, oh, <laughs> what's going to happen now? Or are you one of those ones who are, you know, a bit like, yes, finally, you know, let's, let's go. Is it time for us to do this stuff? <laughs> Whatever your heart response is to that, to this morning, I want us to lean in. Lean in to Jesus' heart and just hear that invitation that he has for each of us today. Now it's your turn. So let's open our Bibles to Mark 6, and we'll begin reading at verse 30 and go through to, 30, to 44. Have you guys got the clicky thing? Huh? 
Oh, they'll do it up there. Okay. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He said, go and find out. They came back and they reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus then took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. And then he began breaking the loaves into pieces and he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Isn't that just such a wonderful, wonderful passage? I think, you know, we can agree with Mark, can't we? We can see the kingdom of God at hand or near, really near, right inside your tummies um, in that passage. All those full people, they experienced the kingdom of God in a, in a very real way, didn't they? And um, I want to ask us a question. In what ways can we see the kingdom of God at hand and, and at work and breaking in in this passage? I think when we're studying how Jesus went about things, that's a crucial question, isn't it, for us to ask. Everywhere Jesus went, he taught and he demonstrated the kingdom. And that's why Mark's telling us this story. He wants us to see the kingdom at work. So, and that kingdom message, isn't it, is central to the mission and the message of Jesus. And as we're discovering, it can be found in the whole storyline of the Bible. And here in the vineyard, haven't we, we've got that rich heritage of grappling with this. And what does it look like? We've been drawing that kingdom message and bringing it out into the light. And as a movement, we've, we've also been, you know, seeking to follow Jesus in his demonstration of it, not just say, look, that's what he did, but that's what he's doing. And so it's a crucial question to ask. So let's have a go at answering it right now, shall we? I'm going to ask you, call out from where you are, 
nice and loud. Where can you see the kingdom of God at work in this, in this passage? What does it look like? Multiplication. Yeah? Yeah. This is what I've got. It might look small, right? But this is all, I, all I've got. And the mum <laughs> the who packed the lunch. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we want to be where he is, don't we? Yeah. Any more? The nervous obedience. Yeah. They didn't really know what was going on, did they? But they, they, they were obedient anyway. Five loaves, two fish. Is that going to work? Well, let's just let's see what happens. Yeah? That's right, Sylvia. Yeah, the compassion, that love that Jesus had. Yeah. Fantastic, isn't it? Okay, guys, you can go on to the next slide. These are some ones that I picked out as I was studying. Um, kingdom of kingdom at work, compassion. We've had that one. Sacrificial giving. You guys spotted that one. Offering what you have, whether it's a little or a lot. Thankfulness. Whether what you have is a little or a lot. Dependence on the Father. Multiplication and growth. Miraculous provision. Isn't God good? Now, do you want to kind of, I'm just going to move this because I'm going to drop stuff in a minute on here. Um, do you guys want to see this kind of kingdom multiplication and growth in your life and in, in the life of Pine Rivers? Do you want to see God come in and solve those kind of problems that you're thinking, wait, how are we going to solve this? This is beyond me. But for God, that's an opportunity, isn't it? I'm glad that we can all answer yes to that. You know, that's my yes too. I want to I I see God's abundance flowing in me and through me. And, you know, I want to hear stories of people cramming in here. And if you guys having the problem, like, where are we going to put everyone? You know, we want to have that problem too down in Vineyard, Brisbane West. And I believe that's what God is calling you guys to. You know, we're just right at the end of autumn, aren't we? It's beginning to turn into spring. feels a little bit like summer if you come from the Northern Hemisphere already. Um, <laughs> but there's a season change coming in the natural at the moment. But I think also in the spiritual. For you guys, a season of growth and multiplication where you begin to see that abundant harvest coming. You know, we've heard stories of the years that you have sown and been planting, for the years that you've been sacrificially giving in this area, in this locality, in your families and workplaces. And so now it's time, isn't it, to stand in your authority and to reach out. Reach out for all that God has for you and to bring in that harvest and see that fruit come, fruit that lasts, and that's what we all want to see. So I just want us to stop a little bit and ponder, okay, so how did this happen? What can we learn? 
what happened on that hillside? You know, what was going on that resulted in the father just releasing that abundance? So let's take a look. So we'll just quickly remember the setting. The apostles have just come back from that first ever mission trip, haven't they? And they start talking to Jesus about what they've seen, the multiple healings, the deliverances, people turning to God. And their whole paradigm had been transformed in that. They're saying, what, you mean, we can do this too? And it actually worked? <laughs> Look what I saw when I stood in my authority that you've given me now. It's not just Jesus. It's us. So this was groundbreaking, isn't it? These are just regular people. They've had the most awesome training that was <laughs> has ever been available <laughs> right alongside Jesus like that. But, you know, they weren't trained in the Bible schools of those days. They were fishermen and normal folks going about their business. And this is what they've seen. And they were overjoyed, but as Mark shows us, they're also pretty exhausted. That's what I love about the Bible. It's really <laughs> down to earth, isn't it? They'd been on that mission, mission trip and they were exhausted. They needed a rest. And so Jesus took them away to, to a lonely place, a quiet place. But as Tavia's saying, it didn't, it didn't exactly work. And desperate for more of Jesus, the crowds followed, didn't they? And how did Jesus respond in that moment? Probably different, I would think, than most of us. Hungry and tired. A little bit hangry, maybe, <laughs> those, apostles, those disciples at the moment. But Jesus doesn't, does he? He turns to them with compassion and with, and with love. And he sees them. He stops and he sees them. And he begins to take care of them. Um, but rightly so, you know, the apostles or disciples, that we've got, I keep calling the apostles and disciples because Mark changes how he refers to them at that moment because they were disciples, beginning of chapter 6. They were learning and being learners which is what disciple means. And then when they're sent out, they become apostles. But you know who I'm talking about. Don't. Bye. Um, so they turn to Jesus, don't they? And they say, wait, look, these guys need to eat. This is a real situation here. They do need food. But his answer doesn't take them aback. You feed them. You feed them. Now, you might have read that a bit before, a bit like, whoa. Is this Jesus testing their faith right now? You know, that, that can make you feel a bit, bit vulnerable. Am, am I going to measure up to what Jesus wants me to do? But I want us to look at this in a different way this morning, just with a, with a bit of a kingdom lens. Perhaps Jesus is simply saying, hey guys, you know, come up here alongside me. Remember, I've given you authority now. We've just been talking about it. Come and partner with me like I partner with the Father. You've just seen those healing and the deliverances. So listen carefully. Listen to his heart. What's he asking us to do right now? You feed them. Let's watch what's possible when we can respond with a kingdom mindset to that problem that seems really impossible for you to solve by yourselves. And here's the news. You don't need to solve it by yourself. It's not about your strength. It's about my strength in and through you now. 
I'm calling you to be right up here next to me. So you need to come and learn how to rule alongside me in the kingdom. How are you going to partner with me? Watch what we can do together. So where is he calling you to partner with him today? What is your impossible right now? That's what I want you to, those cogs in your mind and in your heart cogs, to be thinking as we're listening to this today. If you've got an impossible situation in your life or your family or, or maybe a family that you know, then watch and listen closely. Remember, this is an opportunity for God, not an impossibility. So let's watch what Jesus does. There's three simple steps. First, he's motivated by love. We've seen him moved with compassion at the, at the crowd and their needs. And so it always starts with love. And then in faith, he gives thanks for what he has. Is what he has enough? No. Is it going to feed the crowd? I don't even think it's going to feed that ministry team. Not on the world's terms, but Jesus isn't put off because he knows his father, doesn't he? And he trusts him. And so he gives thanks. And so what do you have right now? Have you got enough to solve your problem? Probably not. But if we're going to follow and learn from Jesus, then we give thanks for what we do have. And so you might want to be thinking through what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about right now. What do you have? Maybe you want to go on a mission trip, but the border is closed. That's quite a difficult situation, isn't it? Talk to God about it. Give him thanks for that heart for mission. See what he can do for you. See where he leads you. It's not impossible for him. Maybe you're a chaplain. You're thinking, oh, I only get two kids turning up. I want this whole school saved. Give thanks for those two. And lastly, the, the, um, Jesus simply looks to his father, doesn't he? He just makes room. He makes room for God to do what God does best. He begins to share what he has. He st steps out in faith and takes a risk, just starts breaking that bread up, just starts handing it out to the disciples. And the kingdom breaks in until there's more than enough. It's overflowing. There's more than enough. All those baskets full left over. So these are our, th our, th our three steps, guys. If you could flick on for me. Motivated by love. With faith, we give thanks, and then we make room for God to do the rest. You think that might sound a bit simple? <laughs> I find usually with God, it does. It is quite simple. We like to make it really complicated. <laughs> but these are the things that we need. Love, thanksgiving, dependence on God. These are keys to us seeing kingdom breakthrough in our lives. And I just want to share with you a few stories of um, seeing this kingdom principle at work in, in my life and also in the lives of a couple of others. Now, I grew up in the city of Bristol in the UK, and um, uh, Bristol sometimes has a bit of a dark history uh, with its um, participation in the slave trade, but it also has a rich history of Christian men and women who stood up for 
for God in that scenario. And there's a man who came from, um, from overseas, and his name's George Muller. I don't know if you've heard of him before. He was a missionary, and he gave his life to working in Bristol. And this was in the, uh, the 19th century, and lots of people were dying due to cholera at that time. And they were being left, lots of children left as orphans. There was nowhere for them to go. So George decided, he was moved by compassion, and he, he worked in Bristol and, and provided homes for children. I just wanted to share a, sh a story from his life. Early one morning, a little girl called Abigail came to, came to visit the orphanage with her dad. And her dad was busy talking to George in his study, talking about how many Scripture Union Knowledge Institution leaflets they should print. When George looked up from his desk from the discussion, he looked through the office window and he could see little Abigail playing happily in the garden. George smiled to himself. He was still smiling and looking out the window when there was a knock at the door. A moment later, the matron of number one orphan house walked in. I hate to bother you, Mr. Muller, she said, but it's happened. The children are all ready for breakfast, and there is not a thing in the house to eat. What shall I tell them? George stood up. I'll take care of it, he said. Just give me a minute. And before going to the dining room at number one orphan house, George walked out into the garden. Abigail, Abigail, come, come with me. Abigail ran up to him. What is it, she said. George reached down and took her hand. Come and see what God will do. And he escorted her into the dining room. Inside, they found 300 children standing in neat rows behind their chairs. Set on the table in front of each child was a plate and a mug, a knife, a fork, and a spoon. But there was no food whatsoever to be seen. George watched as Abigail's eyes grew wide with astonishment. But where's the food, she whispered. God will supply, God told her, uh, George told her quietly. And then he turned to address the children. There's not much time, and I don't want you to be late for school today, so let's, let's pray. As the children bowed their heads, George simply prayed, Dear God, we thank you for what, we are going to give us, what you are going to give us to eat. Amen. George looked up and smiled at the children. You may be seated, he said. He had no idea at all where the food would come from or how it was going to get to the orphanage. He just knew that God would not fail the children. A thunderous din filled the room as 300 chairs scuffed across the wooden floor. Soon all 300 children sat obediently in their empty places. No sooner had the noise in the dining room subsided than there was a knock at the door. George walked over and opened the door. In the doorway stood the baker, holding a huge tray of delicious smelling bread. Mr. Muller began the baker. I couldn't sleep last night. I kept thinking that somehow you would need this bread this morning and that I was supposed to wake up and bake it for you. So I got up at two o'clock and made three batches for you. I hope you can use it. George smiled broadly. God has blessed us through you this morning, he said as he took the bread from the baker. There's two more trays out in the cart, said the baker. I'll fetch them in.
Within minutes, the children were all eating freshly baked bread. And as they were enjoying it, there was a second knock at the door. This time it was a milkman who took off his hat and addressed George. Uh, Sir, I'm needing a little help, if you could. The wheel on my cart has just broken down right outside your establishment. I have to lighten my load so that I can get it fixed. There's ten full cans of milk on it. Could you use them? And then looking at the orphans sitting in their neat rows, he added, free of charge, of course. Just send them somebody out here to get them, and I'll never fix a cart with all this weight on it. So George dispatched 20 of the older children to help, and soon they had the 10 cans of milk stowed in the kitchen where it dis was dispensed. There was enough for each child for breakfast and lunch. Half an hour later, George and Abigail had entered the living room. 300 orphans went out with full stomachs. George escorted Abigail back to the garden and watched her sit for a long time. He knew she was thinking about what she had just seen. Several weeks later, Carolyn Townsend told George that Abigail had taken to finishing all her prayer requests like this, just like you do for George Muller. Amen. <laughs> that made George very happy. It was exactly the point that he wanted Abigail to see, that God does answer prayer. Isn't that an amazing story? George was moved with compassion for those children. With faith, he gave thanks for what he had. And then he made room for God to do the rest. And what did he have at that moment? There was no food on the plate, was there? There was just a room full of children. How am I doing for time, Scott? Have I got time for another story? Do you want to hear another one? <laughs> Heidi Baker. Do you know Heidi Baker? She's a missionary, isn't she, in, uh, in Mozambique. And uh, she has stories of multiplication of God providing too. She tells us this story. One day, some good friends gave us money to buy chickens. Our children rarely eat chickens, so they really know how to celebrate during a feast. And no one would even listen to me speaking because it was chicken time. The kids were happy and we invited every bandit in town. Just like in the parable of Luke, we went to gather all the poor, the prostitutes, the drug addicts and the alcoholics and we were making a ruckus. The old mamas cooked the children. <laughs> to edit that bit out, sorry. Cooked the chicken for one night for about 17 hours. And they were singing, singing all the time. Thank you, thank you. God is great. God is great. After we finished preaching the message, the cook and a skeptical missionary believer asked me, how many people did you invite today? I told them, well, everyone I could find. The Father invites us all to a great wedding feast in heaven, so on earth we like to do the same. We read in the book of Luke to invite them all, and so I did. We told them to feed the visitors first, and they got a bit scared. They had counted 1,138 pieces of chicken. We knew that was a greasy job. But then they started thinking about all the people invited, and they thought, we don't have enough. There were more than 2,200 people. But often what we do is impossible in the natural. But we know that God can do anything. 
And my theme and my theology is God is good and I am not. Hooray. So we all sat down to a chicken feast. And just as the passage in Luke 14 promises, all the bandits and drunkards, prostitutes and visitors and children ate together. And there was more than enough. There were even bags of chicken left over for the mamas to take home with them. It was a beautiful miracle confirmed by a very worried cook. So Heidi, filled with compassion and love, giving up her life in a wealthy U.S. city to go and live in the most poorest nation, Mozambique, and look after orphan children. She gave thanks for what she had, didn't she? And then she made room and trusted God to do the rest, and he did. Now back in 1998, Jonathan and I had heard God's call for this nation, and he'd given us a heart of compassion for you guys. I was 25, Jonathan 26, and uh, we might have shared before, we, we came here first as part of a reconciliation team from the UK, a, a prayer team to bring um, a prayer of apology for what had been done um, to in Australia's history by the Brits. And during that three-week trip, God did something profound in our hearts, and so profound that we knew that he was calling us to leave our families and everything that was familiar to us to follow him to Australia and serve him here. Now that seemed impossible to us. You know, it was more impossible, well not more impossible, <laughs> but it seems as, you know, pretty much like looking at that hillside of hungry people that day. How are we going to make this happen? You know, we had no savings, no money. We were working as volunteers in our church in Brighton. Affording a plane ticket was like saying, let's, let's, let's get on a, a plane to the moon or something like that. But what we did have was, was God's heart of compassion. And so we went to a little bookshop. It was one of those pound bookshops. I have a dollar bookshops over here. And we found this book. It was a pound. That was all we had. We had five pounds spare a week. So we spent a fifth of it on this book. <laughs> and we said to God, right, you've called us. We know that in our heart. But we can't make that happen. So this is what we've got. We're going to sow that into the vision that you've given us. And that's what we did. I could stand here probably till gone lunchtime telling you how God provided and all the little ways that he did so. It's a wonderful story, but it took our breath away. We, didn't, we hadn't ever seen anything like it. But God did his bit. He got us to Australia. We made room for God. It involved sacrificial giving. It involved compassion. But God did what we couldn't. You probably have stories similar to those in your life of where you've seen God come through in impossible situations. Or maybe you're sitting here today thinking, I actually have something like that in my heart right now that seems impossibility to me. It's a mountain that I, I can't move on my own. It might be a relational thing. It might be a, something that you feel God's calling you into. It might be a financial, it might something financial. So where do you need to see God's provision then? Where do you need to see his growth right now? Where do you need to trust him? In him calling you to come and partner alongside him in seeing his kingdom come. 
know, those can be big questions. But we've got a big God, haven't we? As we've seen by some of these stories. And God has chosen us to be his conduits for that provision to come, for that multiplication to be experienced by people who don't know him. So the question is, another one is, are you willing to partner with him in that? Because it all starts with us being willing to say yes, doesn't it? If that little boy hadn't come forward with what he had that morning, his own packed lunch, how could God have multiplied it? So we need to be givers, sacrificial givers. And I know that sometimes we want to hold on to what we've got because it makes us feel a bit safer that way. And that little boy had to trust the disciples when he handed over his lunch, didn't he? He didn't know where his next meal was coming from, but he trusted God. And so another question for you today, what are you holding on to that you need to release to God this morning? Sometimes those things that we hold on to actually prevent us from moving forward. And God's just wanting us to give it to him. For some of you here today, it's time to say, okay, I'm feeling brave. I'm going to give you what I've got. Even if it's going to hurt a little bit. Even when it doesn't seem really all that much. But I want to encourage you, don't despise those small things pound book is not very big but God wants to take what you have I just want to encourage you that you can trust God you can trust him for your future you can trust him with your finances you can trust him with those dreams maybe even dreams that you've never even spoken anybody else to because it's so precious to you you can trust God with those And maybe think bigger. What can we give thanks for at Pine Rivers Vineyard? It might not seem like a lot to us, you know, from what we're looking for God to do. But what what do we have? What is God doing? Where is he working? Let's step in and give thanks for that today. Where do we think at Pine Rivers that God wants to see multiplication and growth? Where are you being stirred with compassion. Listen to that because that's where God's heart is. And you guys have a wonderful compassionate ministry here. I follow you guys on Facebook and I see what you're doing with your Mercy Center and your backpacks and all those different things that you do. And it's wonderful to see what God's doing. So we give thanks for that and God can breathe on it and multiply it. What ministries has God put in your heart that he wants to birth in you and through you for this region? Because God's choosing you guys to do it. (laughs) Look at one another. Take a look around. Pretty ordinary folk, right? Just like those disciples. Jesus is saying, it's your turn, guys. Partner with me. Come up alongside me and, and rule in my kingdom. This is what it looks like. It looks like more than enough. Trust me with what you have. I want to bring you into a season of abundance. So if you want to partner with God in that way, how about we stand?
just to show God, yeah, I, I, that's what I want to do. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to stand. Or if you want to find it hard to stand, put your hands out, you know, <laughs> it's vineyard. <laughs> but we've got an opportunity this morning. I know it's tough with your masks on and things. Probably about as tough as it was to have an empty tummy in that steaming heat on the side of the hill. And I just want to encourage you. We're just going to have some quiet. And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And I want you to listen to his voice. What's, what's he stirring within you? And then we'll pray as a response out of that. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here with us. Lord, that you are alive in us. Lord, that you have chosen us to partner with you. So God, we just open up our hearts and our spirit to you right now. Come and stir, Lord. Come and speak to us into this space right now. How are you wanting me to respond today? What are you wanting me to release to you? Where are you calling me? Open my eyes, God.